I know you're gonna dig this. So intense. To him, yeah, pretty much. So, are you two like twins? No. Uh, yes, sort of. Mark. Stephen, you came back. What the hell's wrong with you? Well, I, I did a whole little speech there. That's not little. <laughs> Mark Spector, I need your help. Uh, just curious about something. How's this whole new arrangement going to work then? Even Grant, I was not speaking to you. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another fun-filled, fun-packed episode of Conversations About Dot Dot Dot. My name is Will, but with me are my wonderful co-host Jingles and Smiley Roscoe. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, it's us, the Roscoe brothers, once again. I'm, of course, Jingles Roscoe here with my younger brother. I'm Smiley Roscoe. Hello, Will. Hello, and unlike the land of lunar lunar leap years and all that fun stuff, today we're going to get into Moon Knight, the most recent closed-out series on Disney+. Plus. We're going to talk about our characters and different things like that and all the good stuff and anything bad or any questions we might have had or things like that. So we're going to get started into this. First of all, we're going to talk about uh, Mr. Spectre. And, of course, you know, him and his uh, different things now. Before I get into it, I do want to say, first of all, we're not medical doctors. We don't know anything. We we don't. I, I personally don't know like the differences between, say, DID, which is a dissociative identity disorder, versus um, like split personalities or things like that. And so I'll be looking some things up while we're going and while we're kind of talking about this. And so that oh, way, don't we can worry about that, Will. Oh. Hey, uh, I, I have this covered. I watched like a 10 minute long video talking about dissociative <laughs> identity disorder. So I'm pretty sure I'm an expert now. Oh, nice. okay. Well, we have one expert here. There we go. So <laughs> you can definitely kind of go. Because also I was thinking, I was like, man, we really should kind of talk about DID before we get into this. Because I know. I mean, we do don't really we need have to? to? Well, or I can mean, we do, do we? How much do we need to? How like. I'm not saying honesty, super detailed. How much. I'm thinking just like in, some general information. Like in, uh, in all honesty, what what advantage do we gain by uh, sort of just thinking that we need to explain what this is? Actually, what I'm really hoping for eventually is a therapist reacts to Moon Knight. That'll Specific, be rad. Specifically, cinema therapy because I really like that guy's cinema therapy. great. Um, uh, those guys are great. Oh yeah, they are. The therapist I, and the filmmaker that work together to make that. Yeah. The reason I feel like it is a little bit important to go into it is just because it does, like I said, it, it is a part of the character, not just in the show, but also in the comics. And so with that, I just kind of felt like, like I said, just more of a general information on what DID is. So uh, Okay. I mean, it's your show, bro. I, and I appreciate that. It's just like I said, it's just something I feel like it needs to be kind of discussed so that, that way when we're in it, you know, we're not, you know, just because mm-hmm. I don't want to just, like I said, I know there's a, a lot of people who will say, well, it just feels like, you know, uh, something totally different than DID. So just some general information on it would be good to start us out with. So that way, as we're talking about Mark and Steven and other people that we'll get into later, I'm sure. But, um, 
you know, it's it just so so we can kind of keep ahead on the basis of it. So any information on DID would be welcomed here. And then we'll basically go with the order of we're going to switch it up a little bit. Last time when we talked okay. about um, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, it was Jingles and Smiter and myself. So this time we're going to go Smiter's, myself, and Jingles to wrap up. So it'll be kind of the rotation going forward. Okay. So uh, once we get the information out on DID, then we'll kind of pick it up from there. Okay, I have a website pulled up. Okay. Uh, so I'm just going to go like very basic stuff about what DID is. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, and it is also referred to as multiple personality disorder. Those are interchangeable. It's like oh, okay. Or it's another identity. colloquial version of it. Yeah, dissociative identity disorder is the more medical way of talking about it. Um, so if they ever make a Two-Face movie, we'll have to come back and revisit this. Sure. Hmm. Um, but dissociative identity disorder is a mental health condition, is a mental health condition. Uh, people with dissociative identity disorder, or DID, have two or more separate personalities. These identities control a person's behavior at different times. DID can cause gaps in memory and other problems. Various types of psychotherapy can help m- people manage the symptoms of DID. Okay. All right. So, first things first, Smider, how did you feel about our uh, protagonist in this story, Mr. Mark Spector slash Stephen Grant slash Mr. Knight slash Moon Knight and other people? You mean our protagonists? You can definitely yes. say it that way, yeah. They are, let, let's be honest here, different protagonists. They are, uh, in fact, you, have, you really have to think about them as entirely different people. And what's what I love about the writing and the direction of the show is that they they treat them exactly like that. I was really yes. really hoping to see them portrayed in that light, and I was worried when the promotional prom- material was talking about that. But I'm glad that they nailed it. I love how they reinvented Stephen Grant. I've heard I've heard some people complain about how they wanted him to retain more of what he was like in the old comics where he was a billionaire and he was a playboy and it for some everybody hangs on to the term alpha and giga chad and every time they say that i really hope that they're not using it to genuinely express their admiration for this character Mm-hmm. But I'm sure a lot of people are because that's all they really, really want out of him rather than making him interesting. Marvel played it smart by and and they played it smart long term by having it that Steven is the way that he is. He's he's kind of mousy, he's introverted, he's very sweet, and he's not nearly as aggressive as let's say mark is and i think that's so refreshing to not make him like a billionaire or anything like that because one of the things that i remember people sort of throwing out there Mm -hmm. when first describing moon knight which everybody has to have some sort of shorthand explanation of a complicated character 
and one and the one that they used all the time for Moon Knight was oh he's Marvel's Batman and for better or worse that's what people were holding on to I personally feel like it's for the worse because you want your characters to stick out and be nothing like anything else that's out there which is really funny when it comes to marketing because when you're creating a character and you're creating a story, you want it to be like nothing else on the market. But when you're selling it, you want it to sound familiar to what's already out there. Mm-hmm. So people already have. So along the way, people attached the idea of, oh, he's like Marvel's Batman. And Stephen Grant is like Marvel's Bruce Wayne. No. <laughs> he's not that anymore and i'm so it, i'm really happy about it because again i think in the long term that's what you really want and i think it's going to be really helpful as time goes on that people are gonna stop using that comparison and i also really appreciate how mark was portrayed mark struck me as somebody that was clearly traumatized by a horrific event in his life which wasn't the event i was expecting and we'll go more into it later Mm. but the event that i was expecting was his brush of near death that caused his personalities to disassociate from one another Mm -hmm. but it wasn't the one i was thinking about and I really appreciate that they went for a much more grounded reason. A much more grounded and much more relatable reason. Because it ends up staying truer to the definition of dissociative identity disorder. It all comes from a traumatic event that, one, the child cannot fight. And two, the child cannot flee from. Mm-hmm. So in, as a survival mechanism, the chief personality will retreat. And that's when we saw it happen on film when Steven was created. Mm-hmm. I, I had a really good time. I I think, uh, I think my favorite episodes were probably like the first... I would say the first three, then episode five. But I still enjoyed the rest. Okay. That's interesting. Now, you, you, speaking of that, uh, Slater, the, the, the one of the main directors of the show, uh, actually talked about that. I'm just going to kind of use this as a step to quote that because you mentioned the whole Batman analogy. And uh, Slater said that the series would not heavily feature the aspects of Moon Knight in the comics where he was a playboy philanthropist, since that version of the character has been likened to DC's comics, DC Comics character Batman, which was not the comparison that Slater wanted to make. Slater added that exploring Moon Knight's mental health allowed them to be more than a palette-swapped Batman clone, adding that he was his own greatest world enemy, the greatest enemy in a lot of ways. Isaac himself believed Moon Knight was the first legitimate Marvel character study since Iron Man. 
And with Curtis adding that the character was like Stark from Marvel Studios and that he could be built up, built from the ground up. And so early on in development, they talk about Stephen Grant was identified to become Moon Knight while Spectre would become the Mr. Knight version. But then they eventually reversed it with each episode's end credits um, and a message encouraging viewers to visit the website of National Alliance of Mental Illness to learn more about DID. And then, of course, the existence of the third altar, Jake Lockley, was hinted at throughout the end credits of each scene and the final credits of each scene. So... As, as, as I really appreciate the fact that they took time to try to get away from the Batman comparison because they knew that was something that was out there already. And Precisely. so, you know, they, I'm glad they did that. I will say this right now, the episode where we find out how Steven was created, I bawled like a baby. Like, not quite fetal position on the floor, but it was bad. Like, I was just like, oh my God, the pain. Like, I was not ready for this much emotional damage in this show. Like, I knew something tragic had to occur, but I didn't realize it was going to be this. And so the way they did it was really interesting. Uh, finding out where he got expressions like later gators from <laughs> and things like that while sweet, what it led to later on was just like, huh. Um, I will say in the comics particularly, uh, Mr. Knight was another version of, it was another altar. Right. As opposed to being, because what they did in the series was real interesting, because what they did in the series was like, okay, so Steven could transform into the Mr. Knight persona, but then Mark could transform into the Moon Knight persona. And so it's kind of interesting how they did that. Well, in the comic, there was no like distinction. It was basically, uh, there was Mark Spector, Jake Lockley, um, Stephen Grant, and Mr. Knight. So they were all different altars from Mark. And so it's interesting how they kind of changed it a bit for the series. And that Moon Knight, probably not one of the greatest selling books for Marvel. Like, it's been out there for a while in different versions. Oh, and dude, straight up. Yeah. It's not one. And, and it's kind of like, okay, we've talked about before how before we saw the first Iron Man movie, Iron Man wasn't one of the biggest selling books ever. You know, at that time, I mean, Iron Man had several series, but Iron Man always did better when he was in an Avengers book or he was in a team up book. Iron Man himself didn't sell like tons of comics on his own, usually. Well, you know, uh, this, uh, extenuating factors. Uh, <laughs> so that, uh, stop talking about Iron Man. <laughs> Stop talking guy. about Iron Man not selling well. Shush, you know, shush. He you guys want to know a well. fun fact? He always sold well. You guys want to know something And cool? everybody loved him. Uh, when Marvel and DC had their big amalgam event, and they, they had a bunch of the things, it was like, oh, they're crossing over, and then these big fights are going to happen, and then it was a popularity contest. They would have the, the fans vote who would win mm -hmm. in certain fights. Uh, and then after the fights were over, that's when they made the Amalgam Universe and yep. sold for a little bit. Uh, Iron Man was on the cover of one of them, uh, but then didn't show up to fight anybody at all because he was just not popular enough to <laughs> uh, actually feature in one this of the fights. Us. Stop. And this Why would is you... the same comic that features a fight between Spider-Man and Superboy. Why would you? Why would you say such hurtful things to me? Why would you I'm, say I'm just, that to me? It's right just now. history, bro. You gotta. A, if you a, do not learn from your history, you're doomed. I know it. the history. I was the only person that liked <laughs> Iron Man. 
You're the only one there with your little Iron Man comic and just all like, guys, Iron Man's really cool too. Guys, Extremis is a really good arc, you guys. Yeah, but that didn't even come until like oh yeah, way later. Way later. Look, I remember Damon in a bottle. Demon in a bottle. The Demon in a bottle's really good, you guys. <laughs> oh, Demon in a bottle. I love I love the idea of being like teasing an Iron Man fan and being all like, yeah. You got extremists and demon in a bottle. Good job. You have two good arcs. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there was demon also Armor Wars. What, what I feel was like, and you also, I was gonna say, you also have uh, Armor Wars. No, no, I was talking to Jingles. Oh, yeah. sorry. Huh. Uh, was Demon in the Bottle any good? I yeah, like it, it was, was good. I mean, it was kind of around the same time when we got Speedy, you know, being hooked on, uh, I believe it was cocaine. And yeah, uh, Green was, Arrow and uh, Green Arrow and uh, that's back in the late '80s. Whenever everybody was trying to do uh, drug PSAs, and so they used Demon as a bottle as a way to talk about alcoholism. Of course. So, but to continue, please, Will, continue to dunk on my favorite hero, please. Oh no, I was actually going to get back, back, back to your point night there, which is that's what know, I'm saying. Back yeah, to your point. <laughs> back to my point being is that. With the series like this, I feel like, because I know a buddy of mine that collects a lot of Moon Knight comics and things like that and has sold a bunch of Moon Knight comics since this series has come out because a lot more people are looking for the books to be like, oh, hey, I want to find out more about this character, which is a great asset for these shows is that, you know, if you've got stuff that you can go back to and read it and expand the lore in your own mind, I mean, it's always an awesome thing. And so he sold a bunch of his Moon Knight stuff because of that because of the series so um it's made the series the older series more popular of course it still feeds into the whole back issue thing because i don't think there's a i think there is a current moon knight run but i don't know how well it's doing a lot of people going back and getting the stuff from like i think it was 2014 with jeff lemire's run and some other things and then the older moon knight books you know and then of course the the uh, Journey into Mystery that kept getting referenced to uh, the first appearance of Werewolf by Night as well as Moon Knight. Everybody kept thinking when he was facing that jackal in the first episode, he was like, oh, it's the Werewolf by Night. I'm like, dude, no, I'm pretty sure that's a zombie dog. Like, I'm pretty sure that's not a werewolf. I'm pretty sure that's not Jack Russell. He didn't turn into a werewolf. Like, it's just a random beast that Harlow created. You know, and all right. Man, they were sniffing. They were sniffing around for stuff more yeah. than you. It, it was a mummy jackal. Yeah, definitely. It was not Werewolf by Night. Although there were VR codes in every episode that you I could do, scan and see different I digital do, comics. I do think it's a little funny when you're saying, "Like, come on, guys, it's not that." You, yeah, <laughs> this coming from Will. <laughs> <laughs> I have Come to. Come on, guys. Stop <laughs> reading so much yeah, into stop it. Stop reading so deeply into this, guys. <laughs> yeah. Look, a lot of times when I read stuff into it, I look at it more as things I wished had happened. I understand that a lot of them didn't or they aren't, but that's the thing. Whereas when I'm also being just a normal fan of the work, and, and here's another thing, too. <laughs> with me not being as familiar with the character prior here we go <laughs> i don't have a big backlog of information to go like hey wait they didn't do this right they didn't do that right like, i don't have that backlog so i'm kind of along more so on the ride mm-hmm. so you know that's kind of where that is i mean i don't i can't speculate a whole lot when i don't know what to speculate to but i mean mm-hmm. in that situation i knew that definitely wasn't jack russell <laughs> you know 
Now, will we, could we get Jack Russell on a future thing? Possibly. I just don't know when. But it obviously wasn't in Moon Knight. <laughs> but anyway, overall, I feel like I really enjoyed the character. Um, I thought it was really cool how he didn't quite understand what this stuff was. Even Mark didn't understand fully what Conchu's contracts were with him and what he had access to beyond just the, oh, I get faster, I get stronger, I can heal, and I can throw these really cool uh, moon crescent-shaped stars out of my chest and apparently have like an unlimited supply that I can just grab out at will if need be. And, oh, that I get stronger as the moon gets fuller. You know, like, there's a lot of stuff that they're trying to understand during it. And I really appreciate the fact that there's that sense of wonder with the characters and us as well as the consumer watching it and kind of be like, oh, this is really cool. Uh, by the way, fun fact, uh, best uh, god in this series, the hippo goddess for certain, uh, Towerette. Uh, just going to put that out there for later. Uh, oh, just because she's, she's nice? Just because I, I just I want a stuffed animal, like a squishy stuffed, not like a plushy, but like kind of something rubbery to kind of get the texture of the hippo. It's just a little squishy type plush version of her. Hmm. I want so she's the best god because she's toyetic. Yeah. Well, That's I want I want I want a little plushy of Ra, the god of the sun, but not like. Ultra powerful virile raw. You want I want old, old chubby busted old man raw. Old man raw. <laughs> right before he dies and has to go on the river again, right. and then eventually rebirth. Yep. There's some. There's some Egyptian mythology for you. I like Egyptian mythology because in Egyptian mythology, the gods can get old and get crotchety and senile. It literally senile. I love it. Yeah. Although in this series, the gods kind of. I don't think I wouldn't say they take a vacation, but they kind of just are doing their own thing and not trying to interfere with the world. And so that's a whole mm -hmm. different thing, which kind of comes into play later. Uh, because whenever you deal with Mark, whatever you deal with Steven, whenever you deal with uh, Jake, you also have to do with Conchu, who is the person that gives him the abilities he has. Uh, another thing I was interested in was when they were first kind of revealing that there was another altar. And he was unaware at the time, you know, like he's go like, for example, in the first episode, you know, he goes through the whole thing where he goes, he gets to date with the girl and then he like goes to the place and it's all like, it's Friday, you know, it's time to eat steak and or eat food or whatever. And she's like, it's Sunday. He is so distraught because he's like, what happened to me? Like, how do I not remember like the days of the week? Like, what did I do between Friday to Sunday? Like, he's so defeated that, like, this vegetarian is just like, I'm just going to have a steak. And he's like, well, how would you like it? Would you like it well done? Would you like it? And he so doesn't care that he's just like, oh, whatever way is best. Whatever. <laughs> I'm just like, this dude is defeated. Like, that's a thing when you see Steven really just like, I'm frustrated about this. I don't understand it, but I'm frustrated about it to the point I don't feel like I could do anything about it. But I really love how they kind of played that with him. And even when he starts kind of figuring out what's going on, it's still kind of a jumbled mess. Um, of course, we get to that point where he gets uh, shot. And then um, he ends up finding himself in the psych ward, which is straight out of the comics, literally, too. Literally finds himself. Yeah, finds <laughs> multiple versions of himself because there's the third 
in tomb nah, version. We're not, we're, we're not going to crack that open over there. We're, we're going to leave that sarcophagus closed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, you know, then 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 it plays with you because like that episode, like where it's like, is he crazy? Has this whole thing been going on in his head the whole time? And it's really interesting because again, like I said, I I know of the Jeff Lemire run. I never have read it all the way through, but I know of it, and I know that's part of that run. Is that like he's in a psych ward and all this stuff is happening around him, and it's all linked to stuff he's seeing. He thinks that he's crazy. He thinks that this is all in his head until Kanchu keeps coming to him and going like, no, dude, you got to get out of here. Like, you know, it's just crazy how that all works. And of course, in this, in the show, Kanchu couldn't really communicate to him because he was not in the same plane of existence anymore. And so it was really cool how they did that and just, oh my gosh, that, that scene where Steven says, Mark, I believe in you. You've got this. And he's like, but if I'm you, I've got this too. And then, like, he just goes and sacrifices himself for Mark's greater good. And so, like, when he goes off and everything and falls off of there, and then all of a sudden you get that point where it's just like, and the scales are balanced. And Mark cares so much about Steven that he's just like, I don't want to stay here. Like, it's not fair that he doesn't get this too. You know... If I want to have this, my perfect version of peace is with him, me and him together. Not, you know, just myself. It's to the point where he goes back and he's just like, goes and gets him. He even says Steven was the best superpower he's ever had. The only superpower he ever needed was Steven. And I was like, dude, that, again, just had me in tears. I'm just sitting there going like, I understand you're dealing with an altar, but just the idea that he cared so much and he survived through him so much that he felt like he was a part of him that he couldn't lose. You know, because even when uh, Towerette's like, you know, you understand what you're giving up by walking out of here, right? And he's just like, he just left. Like, there wasn't no discussion for him anymore. Like, it was just he had to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and even to the point where, like, the relationship with him and Layla, you know, where you find out that, yeah, he was there when his father, he was there when her father died. But he didn't tell her that, you know, he was there when his father died. And how it's kind of, again, it was Stephen became the protection not just for him, but for her as well. You know, and so it's kind of interesting how that all worked out. I mean, it's, I just love the way they played with the idea of the altars and how one kept the other safe. Um, and was trying to protect people. They didn't want to see people getting hurt. And so I thought that was really cool. But yeah, just, oh my gosh, just the last episode with the fights, um, the true acceptance of the reality that they had, even Kanchu going like, you want to set up a deal right now? He's all like, we kind of need to, yeah. And so like them switching out and fighting, <laughs> like and he, Steven would switch into Mr. Knight and then they, and then uh, Mark would switch back into Moon Knight at different points. I just thought that was a really be- beautiful way of portraying like, we're at peace with this now. We understand we're in this situation, but we're at peace with it. Let's just go. And so even when, like I said, Jake was referenced a couple of times in episodes when like Mark and Steven were like, uh, what did you do, Mark? And he's all like, I didn't do this. Who did? You know, you don't really see anything else. You know, it's just kind of like they referenced to this third altar that is, you know, a part of them, but there's no real tell till the very end of the series. I'm like, Boy, talk about keeping something close to the vest, man. 
And when they revealed it, I was like, oh, this is it. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> you know, and of course, the sarcophagus when they're in the psych ward, too. So, um, But I, th I thought the series did a really interesting job of showing just enough to kind of keep you interested and trying to figure out what you were going to see next. I thought that they handled that very brilliantly. They handled mystery very well and got you curious enough to want to see more. I think that's the thing I would tip my hat to Marvel about is that they were able to do just enough to lead you. Because a lot of people were like, well, because I think the first and the last episode were, were directed by one guy and then the other episodes were directed by a couple of different people. But it felt really cohesive to me. Like it didn't feel like it. Like some things you see, if you see a series, you can kind of tell where one person stopped writing and the other somebody else took over. This really felt like one big cohesive thought process. And I appreciate that they were able to do that with Mark and Steven and Jake and all that. So that's what I really enjoyed about Mark and the altars. Right on. All right, brother, it's your turn. Oh, man. Uh, so I was not a big fan of Moon Knight before this show. Um, I only knew about a little bit about him. I never really read much of the comics. Uh, I know him more as a meme online rather than an actual character. So uh, I was really going into the show not knowing what to expect. I know that he has multiple personality disorder. I know that um, he fights ghosts sometimes. Um, and so he, he deals with more of a supernatural, uh, supernatural problems. Uh, and that was the most that I knew about him. So, uh, I, I went into this, not really like, uh, I came in with fresh eyes, unclouded by hate. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and so I really enjoyed it. And, um, I mean, I, I like Oscar Isaac. Uh, I enjoy him in many of the roles that he plays. And so I was excited to see the take he was going to do. And he was very, very good as both, uh, Steven and Mark. And I guess Jake for like a, th a minute. <laughs> um, and he did a very good job. I thought it was um, uh, very well acted. And uh, like you, you can really even um, you can tell who he was by his mannerisms and face. Um, just at a glance, you could tell if he was Steven or Mark at that point. Um and I thought that was really cool. Uh, he did a really, really good job. Um, and at pretty much everything you guys have said, it is, I feel the exact same way. I actually don't have a whole lot more to add to it because I think you guys covered it very well. Right. Oh, this is something I didn't know as well. Apparently, the original, <laughs> the original option that they were going to try to do for an original Moon Knight series was they were going to introduce Moon Knight in season two of the Blade TV series with Sticky Fingers back in 2006. But uh, since that series got canceled in 2006, they never were able to introduce the Moon Knight character. The other option they had had was James Gunn was wanting to do a Moon Knight movie or show um, back when he was doing Guardians of the Galaxy. So it had to be a movie because at that time we didn't have Disney Plus yet when Gar first Guardians came out. So well, it had to be a movie. still made a show. It just wouldn't have been on Disney Plus. True, 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 true. And he was wanting to do it. But he as said we he remember, have... there's, there was plenty of other shows that yeah. they were making that were not on Disney Plus that, that... were 
connected to the MCU. Yeah. Case of Boy, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and the Netflix stuff and stuff like that, I think, at the time. So that was mm-hmm. really interesting. But uh, unfortunately, he said he didn't have the time but to do it, so therefore that was the reason why they didn't do that. But this he didn't is, have the time because he got fired and then they brought him back again because mm-hmm. they're cowards. Well, this would have been... <laughs> well, no, because remember, this would have been Guardians 1. He didn't get fired until after Guardians 2. Right. So... Um, but here's something that's interesting. Uh, the supernatural elements inspired from the comics included Egyptian gods, one of whom was Khonshu, manipulate Spectre in a way that draws on their toxic relationship from the comics. The series is set in the MCU in the early 2025, but there's no explicit connections to any parts of the, any other parts of the MCU. With some planned references to the actions of Gore the God Butcher from Thor Love and Thunder in 2022 being removed during the writing process, Slater said that this was done because they did not naturally fit in the series and because it was unclear during development when the series would be released in rotation with the film Thor Love and Thunder. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was interesting that they didn't go there because, of course, you know, had you had <laughs> Love and Thunder come out and then for some reason Moon Knight not come out till afterwards, then that wouldn't have worked as well. And oh, so, you mean like all the weird stuff that happened with uh, Black Widow as well? Yeah. And, and so it's, how the the ending of that like connects vaguely to uh the uh Hawkeye series. No, Falcon and Winter Soldier and also yeah, Falcon Hawkeye. and Winter Soldier. Yeah, true. Because yeah, that's what literally happened with that because with Falcon and Winter Soldier technically <laughs> We were supposed to have gotten Black Widow long before Falcon Winter Soldier. So the first introduction mm-hmm. to Val would have been Black Widow, but because Black Widow didn't come out until later, um, it got really weird whenever they introduced her in Falcon Winter Soldier, and then they kind of back reference to <laughs> Hawkeye because they had to go change it at the last minute because originally it was going to be a reference to Falcon Winter Soldier somehow. But it, yeah. I'm glad they did that. I'm glad they didn't do that. I mean, because the thing is, with gore and all that stuff, if you, if Marvel manages to keep gore alive past Love and Thunder, because they do tend to have a bad problem killing their bad guys, uh, then uh, they maybe the bad guys should learn how to live longer. Well, you know, just saying. <laughs> yeah, you know. it's not exactly a uh, strong long-term investment to go and try to fight the good guys. Yeah. Uh, the, I will say I, I do appreciate that the the one exception to to that is um, Spider-Man No Way Home, mm-hmm. uh, but then they just all went back to their regular dimension. So yeah. they might as well be dead. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. Like, I kind of would have wished they would have done, like, you know how a lot of these movies will do, like, a wrap-up at the end? Like, uh, like a Medea movie. Oh, my gosh. Medea's movies do this trope to death. Not that I love Medea movies. Y'all know, listen to me, y'all know I hate Medea movies, but I've been, being being black, I've been forced to watch a few. Uh, So there's a point where uh, they'll have the wrap up like Tyrone ended up getting out of jail and becoming a soccer uh, coach at a local high school. And then, you know, it's like this other person's like, Wanda ended up leaving her law firm to practice, she had her own hairstyling business. Like, it would have been interesting to see it far at No Way Home. Like, what would have happened since now they were cured of the stuff to see what would have happened. Like, you know, uh, Sandman went home and was able to be with his daughter and eventually remarried and da 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 da. And come to find out, his daughter had powers or something like that. You know, Electro went back to his world and became a nuclear electrophysicist or whatever, you know, just different things like that. That'd have been funny. But, um, anyway, 
the next big character I think we should probably talk about is uh, Mr. Haro himself, the man, the myth, the legend, our main uh, antagonist of this of this show. Okay, right on. Oh, let me tell you about Haro. Haro. Is it me you're looking for? They gave him a strong start. They definitely gave him a strong start by having him <laughs> break glass and then put in his damn sandals. Yep. <laughs> and every time you see him walking around, you can hear the little crunching sounds. Little on crunching, glass. crunching. Mm-hmm. Or a uh, little crispity crunchity. Somebody uh, uh, on the Marvel meme subreddit posted a thing. It was all like me after watching the first episode of Moon Knight, and it shows some slippers. Mm-hmm. And then he's got like a little uh, a little box, a little container, and he pours Legos into the slippers. <laughs> <laughs> Which would hurt. You got got to keep up that self flagellation, man. Or else, how else will people know that you're devoted to being disciplined to a cause? That's right. To Ahmet. To Ahmet, goddess of punishment. <laughs> I thought I I thought Ethan Hawke did a really great job. Mm-hmm. I know that there's probably going to be some people that are disappointed with the finale that we didn't just straight up watch Moon Knight kill him, but it is. It is pretty in line with how his condition works. Uh, technically. Technically. Technically, we did see Moon Knight kill him. Technically. Yeah. We saw one of them. We saw <laughs> one of the altars kill him. Vio con Dios. I, uh... <laughs> Requiescent Pache. I uh I really liked him. I really I really I liked how quiet and sort of earnest he always was. And never did he go into a mega maniacal speech. But I, I what's interesting to me is watching how many different times Marvel has gone the extra mile and made a a villain that we're meant to sort of agree with a little bit. But I thought it was refreshing that Harrow was a villain that we're not meant to agree with at all, but he was still fascinating and likable. Mm-hmm. That's my that's my go of it. Mm-hmm. What about you, Will? Uh, he was definitely charming uh, in a lot of ways. Um, I know uh, Simu Liu uh, from uh, Shang-Chi got kind of upset because there was a scene where he is supposed to be speaking Mandarin with another young lady. And apparently the way Simu Liu stated it, it was specifically he didn't understand why Ethan Hawke didn't learn the Mandarin to say that part in line because the young lady apparently said what she said in Mandarin and she was fine. But apparently when he spoke Mandarin in return, it was just gibberish. He was like, you know, there have been other situations where Disney has not taken time to like, how is it that Scarlett Johansson could, in a way, the example he used was explain to me how Scarlett Johansson could take time to learn Russian in order to speak fluid Russian. Well, in all her moments when she spoke Russian in these movies, be it Ethan Hawke, in the time, in the short time that he had to say something in Mandarin, he couldn't learn enough Mandarin. 
Like, he, he, he had a problem with that particular thing. And I'm like, Simu, Simu, there are other people to talk to. You don't have to necessarily put that out in general public discussion. Like, I understand, you know, talk to Kevin Feige. Talk to other people. Like, that's not something you just put out there. I mean, I, I'm sure he has his reasons uh, for putting it out there like that. But I'm just like, maybe just talk to the higher-ups. You know, you're in the fold. You could do that. Um, but uh, that said... Overall, I thought Haro was really interesting. I especially loved when he was in the psychic ward with Steven and, and uh, Mark as the doctor. And it's like... Psychiatric ward. Psychiatric ward. You said, you, you said psychic ward. Oh, yeah, that's totally different. that's a different thing. <laughs> yeah, Charles Xavier. If Charles Xavier had been there, that would be a psychic ward. Uh, the psychiatric ward. And... Seeing Haro, I think my favorite part, my favorite moment with him is when he's describing to Steven that children are like a disease. And because Steven's like, well, a child shouldn't be judged for something they're going to do when they're in their 30s, should they? He's like, well, it's just unnecessary eradication of a disease. And it's like, he said it so convinced that what he was saying was 100% right. And even Steve was just like, no, there's lines I draw. Like, we're not, no, we're not doing that. We're not killing kids. Like, that's not cool. Like, we're not killing old ladies that have lived their lives. And this whole prejudgment thing is just kind of, um, it's not cool, man. And even, it's funny because when you look at that scene in the background, you know, originally, like, um, the people in the background, like, watching these animals in this animal film. But as soon as Steven starts questioning uh, what Arthur Harrow is saying, then um, all of a sudden you start seeing a hummingbird beating his wings really fast. You start seeing this evolution of a volcano growing up in the middle. Like the scenes in the background are showing you the intensity that Harrow's kind of emotionally feeling when he's being challenged. Because for most of the people around him, they just, you know, they ac have accepted it as gospel. And uh, obviously, you know, of course, Stephen ain't accepted it at all. And so he's not happy about that thing. And um, I think that's interesting with Haro. I think as he, another scene I love with him is when he's in the temple with St with Stephen, possessed by Kanchu, trying to explain what Haro is doing. And then Haro's response is just to basically talk about the fact that Kanchu is manipulating this broken man into doing all these things that he shouldn't be doing. And you can't trust him. And it's like literally say he could have basically said the same stuff about himself, but of course he wasn't because he had to play that he was doing the right thing. He was just he was being accused of all this horrible stuff that he was going to do, but because you can't trust the source of that information, these gods basically around him were just like, oh yeah, he's absolutely right, Kanchu. You know, because they even asked Kanchu, it's like, is your avatar well? And Harold just waits because he knows he's not. And, you know, even to the point where Harold is talking about, you know, oh, I bet you he's telling you to kill me, isn't he? Because of the fact he references to the fact he was the avatar prior. To, he was the avatar to Kachu prior to him. And so it's interesting how he uses all that to kind of manipulate the situation. He's very smooth, like peanut butter level smooth when it comes to like the way he just lays stuff down. To where he can keep people off his track until he gets what he wants. And even when he faces the goddess that he's trying to get a hold of. 
Um, he's even willing to let himself be killed by her because she even says, you know, that um, Amit basically tells him that, you know, your scales don't balance. He's like, well, then in that case, you must keep the world safe from what I'm going to do. He's willing to die. Like, he's willing to go right then. And he believes that strongly in it that he's willing to let himself be killed. And then she says, the last person that had perfect scales, though, however, misused the power I gave him. And so, even in that point, she's like, you know, I don't need somebody with perfect balance. And so, she's even kind of correcting the situation that he has been under the influence of this whole time. And so, I love that he believes it to the point he's willing to let himself go for the sake of everything. Like, he's willing to let himself die completely. If that's what it takes to follow this out to the fullest letter of the law. So, he's definitely devoted. Um, and yeah, the broken glass thing, I love how they talked about mixing they constantly would mix that in to every time he walked just to make sure that no matter where he was walking, no matter which form he was in, even when he was in the psychological ward, you heard the glass then too. You know, it's just crazy that they always kept that part of him, part of the character. So I thought that was neat. Um, of course, the other thing I thought was interesting too was when he's talking to Layla. And he's just like, First, when he starts talking about Mark, and he's just like, you know, well, he can't tell you what's really going on. If he tells you what's really going on, he doesn't think you'll love him anymore because you'll know the truth about him. And again, it's just him being super smarmy and manipulative, but yet at the same time, smooth the whole time. He doesn't, like, he's not that yelly type of villain, you know, where he's yelling at people going, you know, go get that, go get him, da-da-da-da, you know, like, and he's not afraid to get his own hands dirty either. He plugged Mark square in the chest three times. He pulled the trigger. He didn't have one of his people do it. He did it. And so he's an interesting feeling in that regard as well. Like, he doesn't, he, he kind of felt like he really didn't get bothered by much, even though there were a lot of things going on that were bothering him. Uh, but it was the fact that you couldn't tell it. He, did, he didn't play it. He had a very good, he had a very cool poker face. I think that was the interesting part of him as a villain is that he had a very cool poker face. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I will pass the baton off to Jingles. All right. I'm not going to hold it for very long. Uh, I thought he was a good villain. Uh, I, I feel like um, from the experience that I was seeing, more people were just excited to see Ethan Hawke in the MCU than uh, than they actually cared about uh, Arthur Harrow, um, which is fine. I mean, like he did a very good job. Um, Ethan Hawke did wonderful as this character. Um, and as far as Harrow goes, like I liked him. He he really played the part. He's not going to be like one of my favorites, but that's just because uh, when it comes to like people running a cult and having like this like religious quest to to do something mm -hmm. um those those characters kind of annoy me not because they're bad in fact he's very well written and, and really fits the part very well but it's just like these people are very manipulative and these are the kind of people that i really don't like in real life um i'd much rather have an over-the-top evil person rather than like you know, I've been chosen by Ahmet to free her and uh, I will make amends for all the evil I've done while I was Khonshu's avatar in the past. And um, just like I th this is my holy quest, essentially. Mm -hmm. 
and he has like a ton of people that will do whatever he asks um and people like that that are manipulative i i, I don't like because um if you have like a a general of some kind usually people will follow because they're like okay these are orders that i should follow and maybe i also agree with um like the war that we're trying to fight or whatever mm-hmm. um in a cult these people are like oh i'm i i fully truly believe that this guy is like some kind of savior to me and um i don't i don't play well with cults <laughs> Makes i'm not a fan of cults hmm. what are you saying I just said makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, cult leader people, they they annoy me and make me mad. But uh, in movies and stuff, uh, like, I, I, could, I could see Arthur Harrow as the kind of character that uh, I was like, okay, well, he's doing a good job. And he's, he's playing the character and he's doing well and he got his comeuppance. And so those are all things that I really wanted. But um, somebody that's, like, manipulative and, like can can make all of his uh deception checks at like advantage all the time and it gets like a plus eight to that um anybody that that can just do that and get away when when somebody is all like yeah this guy this guy is trying to release Ahmet. i know this uh and then everybody else is all like are you trying to release Ahmet?" and he's like no no he's crazy and then they're I, all the gods were like, "Yeah, you're right. He's crazy. You can go. <laughs> you're clearly not not trying to do anything manipulative at all." And I'm just all like, "Ah, I get mad at it, right?" Yeah. But that doesn't make him a bad character. That just makes it something that frustrates me because it's something that's real, and uh, people get away with it a lot. And so uh, the character of Arthur Harrow, I I liked him. Uh, he did good. F- he did the role that he was supposed to very well. Um, and I have no complaints except for I'm so mad. But I'm not actually that mad. I just, it's just like, you know, um, the kind of character that, ooh, I, I that it, it's, it's worse than people that like drop a bomb on an orphanage to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I could definitely see that as being a, um, a deal set deal breaker there on that uh, because yeah the, the gods not and again it comes to that whole thing that the gods don't want to interfere with the happenings of man to the point where they feel like that Conchu because you got to remember they weren't exactly happy with Conchu to start with because he literally did a thing that attracted their attention and so they're already kind of biased against anything Conchu had to say. And so I can understand where that level of anger and pettiness would kind of blind them from what was sitting right in front of them, you know, because he did the whole, um, what did he do at first? Was it that he, did he shift, did he shift night the first time, shift from day to night the first time to get them out there or whatever. And then they did the thing and they warned him basically at that point that he rewound the stars to that night, whatever, to, in order to lead out to where they were going to the constellations, because constellations had shifted, and so mm. that was that was when they had trapped Conchu because of what he was doing. Because again, their whole thing was we don't want the world to know we're here. We want to be able to w- watch the world do its thing from a place far, far away, kind of like the Eternals. You know, they didn't want to interfere in the affairs of man. 
you know, in a lot of ways. So it kind of feels like a, a call back to the Eternals a bit. So mm-hmm. that was interesting. So shall we take a bit of a break before we get into Layla? Sounds good. All right. Okay. So we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to pick up with Layla. And then we're going to go into some other stuff with this. So after these messages, we'll be right back. And we're back like a lunar eclipse, ready to continue talking about Moon Knight. And uh, we're going to go ahead and pick up with Layla and talk about the uh, spouse of Mark Spector. And I guess kind of love of um, Steven and, and so forth. So and her going from being this really interesting super spy kind of sort of person to a uh, little scarab, as her dad would call her. To becoming an Egyptian superhero. So I will let you guys take it away. Smiter, pick up the ball, sir. Oh, no. I think Layla is really cute. Uh, mm. I was all like, girl, you got your hair all tied up in a really tight bun, but I could see it's trying to escape. And i believe she is supposed to be the scarlet scarab in this one Mm -hmm. which is a a b c d e f g h i j k l m t u v w x y and z list level character from the 70s got him (laughs) there he is he's down there sorry yeah it used to be a guy now it's layla yep oh well and I am offended by I this. I'm offended. They keep gender swapping characters. People that we don't really anyway. know that much about to begin with. <laughs> yeah, were you a big fan of Scarlet Scarab? I think he might I have showed up so. in a New Warriors comic at one point, but yeah. Nobody cared. <laughs> um, what was it? Um, oh. I thought that my, I think one of my favorite things about Layla is that she was sometimes when it comes to a love interest character, they have to be led into the secret of the hero being the hero, and then it, and then there has to be the conflict with that. What I loved about Layla is that she was already familiar with what Mark can do. And was encouraging of that. And I liked that it started with they're already trying to get divorced. Like she showed up to give him divorce papers. And and then, you know, Steven got a, like a little bit of a crush on her, which I thought was kind of cute. She is cute. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think, you know, I think one of the things that I liked the most about her was how, when it comes to her and Mark, Mark obviously didn't want her to have anything to do with all of his super duper powered stuff. But I like that she instantly started having a rapport with Steven because they're both history buffs mm-hmm. and they're both basically junior archaeologists i liked it a lot i liked that they actually had 
a basis to build a relationship on, which not every, not every uh, fictional couple pulls off. Right. I enjoyed that. What about you guys? I thought it was interesting, first of all. Um, funny comic book parallel here. Uh, the original person that was supposed to be in that role in the comics was a Caucasian woman by the name of Ellie, reported to be the character of Marlene uh, Arun, I believe. Uh, not only was she Mark Spector's wife in the comics, but um, she was also the... Um, the daughter of uh, the man of the man who got killed by Bushman, and Bushman was a character that they um, Bushman was a character that was there whenever Mark got shot, and and was part of that whole thing to where he ended up yielding to Conchu in the first place. And the funny thing about that is is that um, of course. Uh, Layla, the character of Layla herself, was named specifically outside of the show. So it was something different. And they just basically chose a different character uh, to put fit into that role because they felt like, uh, and I'm just going to read this here. Uh, Dieb and his wife, Sarah Goer, were big champions of the character since she was now in the series representing Egypt. Callum Away described her character as someone with a lot of healing to do who steps into herself more and develops more confidence and trust in herself throughout through supporting Spectre. So it's kind of interesting how that worked. And then they talked about like she learned street fighting and uh, stuff like that and try to make sure she did a lot of her stunts to show that she could move cleanly so that whenever she does become the Scarlet Scarab, it makes sense for her to do that. Uh, because if they had, they didn't want her to just be the damsel in distress, typical type of woman and then get these powers and then be like a whole different person. They wanted to show her during the series. She was already capable, even to the point where when Khonshu threatened Mark and said, basically, look, if you don't want to be my avatar, I can, I can take, you know, Layla, you know, and it's like the understanding that he, that Khonshu, and again, we, and again, we understand more as we'll go into later, but, um, he understood that she could be a candidate for his power. And so the fact that she was already very competent as a fighter, as a brawler, as a person who could move around and different things like that. But she, I mean, she, when you see her, uh, get, become the temporary avatar of uh Tourette, and she pops the wings out for the first time. I'm just like, <gasps> that is cool. Like it, we've seen Falcon, you know, and then, of course, Falcon becoming Captain America with the wings. But this was different because this was something that was... It, this wasn't something that was tech given to her. This was something that was, like, mystically given to her. And so it's really cool how she kind of flies in and she's fighting. And, you know, there's a scene wherever uh, the little girl sees her after she grabs the... Stops the bus from shaking, but moving. And she gets all the people out. And the little girl says, are you an Egyptian superhero? And she doesn't... Like, the typical thing to do in that moment is to subvert expectations. And to just be like, oh, no, darling. This is temporary. And she just says, yes. Yes, I am. It was like, okay. She's taking, she's taking some responsibility. She's got agency. Like, right now, this is who she is. You know, will she continue to be that? We don't know. But as of right now, this is who she is at the moment. And so I thought that was really cool how they played that. 
So I, I really dig Layla. I really dig uh, the character. It would be cool to see at least a spinoff of her where either she decides to keep going with Tyrett or um, she decides to give it up after a while. And she just goes back to being normal Layla, trying to be there to support uh, Mark and Steven on their new adventures. Uh, if they decide to continue the adventures, because if you'll remember, the series originally was listed as a limited series, kind of like WandaVision was. And then the last episode, they end up changing it to season finale. So there is a possibility of us getting a season two. So, which the way they ended it, it's like, they better give us a season two. <laughs> or a movie. You know, or, or yeah, they could definitely do that. Or, or you could see him in other films. And eventually they could play it out kind of like what they did with the Hulk. You know, they kind of played out his stuff over the course of several films. So, I mean, Moon Knight could show up during Blade, the actual movie movie for Blade with Herschel Ali. We never know. But yeah, I really uh, enjoy it. It'll never happen. It'll never happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look. I, I said there I'll, was no way. I'll be straight up. I like the more obscure hero choices that they've been going with and more obscure character choices they've been going with. And I also like that they've been keeping the, that Moon Knight is as disconnected as it is from the rest of the MCU. Mm -hmm. I've heard people complain about that as though it's like a demerit against the show. Yeah. I completely disagree. I think it's... I think it's a great thing to let it have its own breath and keep it separate. I could see a world where we eventually get a Midnight Suns type series with him in it somehow or another. That'd be rad. You know. I would be really, really down with a Midnight Suns thing. I mean, especially if the video game blows up well. You know, just saying. It's a possibility. I hope it's good. Are you even going to get the game? Um, if it comes out on PS4, because right now I don't have a PS5, and I noticed they bumped uh, Gotham Knights to where it was only going to come out PS5, and the is it Xbox One still? Or is it another Xbox know. system? Whatever the new Xbox system is. There is a new um, Xbox system. Okay, so whatever the new Xbox system is in the PS5. So as long as they keep it on PS4, I will probably try to get it because I want to. I haven't played a really good Marvel platformer type game like that in a while. I'd love to get it. Seriously. Is it a platformer? Uh, well, not platformer. I'm thinking more like Marvel Alliance. It's a strategy game, yeah. So it's kind of more like Marvel Alliance, isn't it? Tactical RPG. Tactical RPG. What's yeah, Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X and Series S, and Microsoft Windows. Okay. I was just asking because you were all like, uh, especially if that game is successful, I'm like, you know how you can help make sure that the game is successful? By buying the game. Yes, I know. By buying the game. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> We that pulled, makes so much sense. We pulled Owen Wilson. Wow. 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 I'm still not 100% sure I'm even going to get Gotham Knights. Midnight Suns looks like something I really want to play, though. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, Jiggles, and I mean, like, Smiter and I even got uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, uh, and eventually we want to play through all the Ultimate Alliance games for the stream sometime. That, that sounds like a good idea. I would be down for watching at least what I can of that when I'm not tied up on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. So... 
But anyway. But I guess I, I should I should pick up this ball now. Yes. Yes, please do. I'll sir. talk about Layla. Take your soapbox with you too. Okay. I'll take the soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't believe that Marvel is trying to push more diversity and <laughs> making <laughs> terrible <laughs> characters <laughs> that <laughs> clearly the show was just <laughs> to set up Layla as a <laughs> hero and Clearly, that Marvel <laughs> just doesn't like men. <laughs> oh no! Sorry, I got I got another one for that. Okay. <laughs> That's a baby cry. In case you didn't know. <laughs> oh wow! Uh, I really liked Layla. I liked her a lot. I kind of developed a small crush. She's got a great smile, too. During the course of the thing. She's wicked cute, but mm. she's also capable, and she's smart. Uh, and she's down with nerdy guys. So I think so that's cool. So cool with that. Um, very interesting. Uh, I did think that it was weird that she kissed uh, Steven. Yeah. Uh, but oh, she and Mark were separated. Well, yeah. not only that, but you, you think about it. Somebody who's sweet no. to her had, you know, in his mind, the same poem that she loved. Because he even says you know at one what? point, this poem is this poem, you know? Yeah. You know what? We we, we completely stomped all over Jingles. I'm sorry. 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 <laughs> so th- th- there you have it, folks. Uh, if you're sweet to a girl, uh, even if she's separate from her husband, it's okay for infidelity. I wasn't saying that. I gotta go. I Keep going, that. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going, dude. It, it's such a massive, complicated like thing. Yeah. Like on like, there's been plenty of people that complain about it, and I'm all like, I don't, I don't care because yeah. it's not a real thing. Yeah. Um, you can't cheat on yourself, or you can't. Your wife can't cheat on you with yourself. Right. It's an impossibility. <laughs> um, and uh, well, I have no idea what the plan is going to be because, um. Now Mark and Steven are like cool with each other. And it's clear that he has no plans on um like getting rid of that part of himself. Yeah. So I don't know what the plan is for the future for those two guys. Um but uh yeah, I really liked Layla. I liked how she was smart, she was capable. I she and people are going to complain that she kind of fell into like the damsel in distress role from time to time. Um, and it was literally like if she was a man, nobody would have complained mm-hmm. if she did everything that she did. But she was just a guy in this. Um, right. Then, then there would have been zero complaints. But because she's a woman, like people are going to complain whenever a woman is helpless because women aren't allowed to be helpless anymore. Uh, according to some people, but helpless, helpless, okay. or or like under attack and like oh, need okay. protection. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, women aren't allowed to be rescued anymore, according to some people. But uh, if she's a human being and she's putting herself in danger and she's trying to get things solved, you know, then then yeah she's gonna be in danger and maybe she's gonna need to be saved by somebody that's literally invulnerable to bullets um and so like anybody that's complaining about that just get over yourselves 
She's still an expert in her field. She's an expert. She's smart. She's capable. She don't need no men, but she can get one if she wants. Yeah, she can get that nice one if she wants. Yeah. Oh, and I and I I, I want to touch her hair. I oh, that's one of the, that's <laughs> what I've been saying the whole hair. time. <laughs> when as soon as she became the Scarlet Scarab, I was like, I really want to touch that head. I, I want to I want to just like bounce it. Yeah. Wow. Good for her. I was just going to say, uh, to the people that sit there and say she's a damsel in distress, I'm like, first of all, she went off against her ex-man slash current man got shot down and killed. She went after old boy was going to try to take her out himself, herself. Like, she followed him, went in, like, camouflage to sneak aboard his convoy so that she could gut him like a fish. Uh, I don't call that a damsel in any way. Like, I feel like that's just a woman who knew what she wanted at that moment. And she was going to do everything she could to try to get it. So I don't understand where this whole damsel in distress thing comes up. Because that just feels like a fake fire that somebody's trying to put out for no reason. Uh, it's always fake fires, though. <laughs> like, I'm like, what, wait, what, was they, that, wait, what, the, what show were they watching? Because like, I'm not dude, seeing this. When it comes, when it comes uh, like that... What, both sides of this <laughs> have gotten so ridiculous about sniffing out politics on something that nobody's talking about whether or not it's on a technical level a good show. Yeah. Every it's all about um oh, she was a damsel in distress. But like oh, I can't believe they did that to her versus Videos that Jingles and I have seen plenty of times show up in our feed of, I can't believe Marvel is baiting us with SJW politics. We have to stop the MC. Yeah. We have to stop the MCU well, from stop happening it because she's capable. Yeah, right. but because she also had a moment of weakness, we've got the other side saying, "How dare they not make her capable?" Yeah, it's it's really it's ridiculous. Dumb. <laughs> it's ridiculous. No, no, ridiculous. Oh, ridiculous. Oh, my god! It's gosh. so ridiculous that I refuse to use a real word for it. Thank you. <laughs> um, but these are some complaints that people are having, and I think it's really dumb. I really liked Layla a lot. Me too. Uh, I liked when, when she got her suit. I'm glad her suit is uh, looks practical um, and is pretty, but isn't, like, revealing all the parts of her body. Right, because we need. I, I prefer modesty for my superheroes. Yeah. So, but you know, some people would have preferred a little bit more. But I'm. I was fine with. I it. like it when a woman owns her sexual. I like when her, she owns her sexuality and she doesn't mind showing off her own skin on her own time. Yeah, but yes. also you there look are plenty at the, women that are fine with that. Yeah, and you look at the goddess that she represented too. I mean, if you, I mean, I understand. Yeah, she's she has the body of a hippo. But if you look at the outfitting, the outfitting with the exception of the wings, there's very similar elements that are in both outfits, which makes sense if you're an avatar for an Egyptian goddess that you're going to represent that goddess in the outfit that you're wearing. So I appreciate the yes. fact that they kind of tied it to her base outfit. So, I mean, yeah, with Kanshu, when you look at Kanshu, kind of, there's certain elements of Moon Knight's outfit that kind of remind you of Kanshu. You know, um, now with Amaret, for example, I mean, Haro is just a dude with purple glowing eyes. You know, he really didn't do a whole lot of, like, um, 
he didn't do a whole lot of any real transformation like a suit or anything like that. He was just basically more powered for more powered human, so to speak. Yeah. So I had no complaints about Layla's suit at all or any of the suits. All the suits look great. Right. Yep. And I thought that was really cool. Um, so, yeah, I liked Layla a lot and I, I would like to see more of her because I would like to see more of her. And that's that. And that's that. <laughs> Take this ball back. I don't want it. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting how that all. Interesting how that all goes down. And I mean, I think the only thing we really kind of come to afterwards was what y'all think about that cool kaiju like fight between um, Amit and um, and Kanshu. Ah, uh, dude, it was cool. That's it. It was cool. He made his point while they were fighting. At least they didn't have a space laser. And <laughs> as long as there's no space laser, then I will be satisfied. Then I will rest once again. Yeah. I like the big the big people were fighting and uh I was all like, "Oh no, why am I so attracted to this crocodile-headed lady? I better I better just focus on the fights going on down there instead. <laughs> just sucking the souls out of everybody that was being taken and judged and just getting bigger and bigger the whole time. It's just like, this doesn't look like it's going to go in our boys' favor. How is this going to work? You know, <laughs> so I thought it was really cool. I thought that they definitely upped the stakes. It didn't just feel like, well, Moon Knight has to win this, right? You weren't sure, you know? And I thought that was interesting. I appreciate that. I appreciate a little bit of stakes in in the game when you're trying to look at a bad guy fight in the last episode because it's like, how they going to win? And then we found out how they won, but boy, how they won wasn't what we expected because even Layla was like, uh, Mark, uh, what was that? You know, uh, he doesn't remember. <laughs> but, oh, man. So... You know what I think I need in my life? What's that? I need an entire another uh, TV show mm-hmm. by Marvel. It's about a team of superheroes that like wait around for like an alarm to go off. It's like, oh man, there's like an event happening. Send the superheroes out to there, but they always show up after everything's already been dealt with. <laughs> it's all like, oh, uh, Ahmed's been taken care of, and they show up and they're like ready to fight and they're like oh it's dealt with one guy already whoever was here already took care of it it's just every single episode they miss out on like all the stuff that's happening in all the other shows and movies you know there kind of was a comic that dealt with that but they weren't superheroes it was a little comic book called damage control uh done by the great and late great uh Dwayne mcduffie but they basically were the ones that were sent in to uh clean up the damage after the superhero fights uh, do you mean damage control? I said damage control. Said. Sorry, I, I don't know why I, I heard, uh, oh yeah, it was a group of people, and cleaning up after the fact. <laughs> oh, so you missed I think the your control. headphones are bad. You're, you're not using your good headphones. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, so damage control basically is a group of normal people who, uh, and they referenced them during the Spider-Man uh, Homecoming movie. Uh, because that was oh, a team yeah, that course. Tombs worked for. And uh, so, yeah, they referenced them there, but that was kind of the idea that they would show up basically clean up after all the crazy superhero hijinks, wherever there was a thing, wherever there was a major battle. But um, I do have another thing to ask about. What do we think about the real 
villain of the movie, uh, Grief, uh, kind of portrayed through the eyes of Wendy Spector, Mark's mom. Oof. And how, uh, because Mark lost his brother, his older brother, by the way, if I'm not mistaken, um, Wendy kind of blamed him for everything. Wrong kid died. Well, that was, man, that was painful. That was painful from a couple levels. Like, one, it's like, okay, to watch a, watch a parent lose a child is hard. But then to watch the parent melt down into this whole idea of, that was my favorite, why did you let him die? You know, and I blame you for this. It's just like, so you just made that other child's life a living hell because of what's yeah. going on, because of grief, really. I mean, there's no other and way I to can, describe it. And I can guarantee you there's plenty of people that just have gone through that. Yeah. Yeah, I had a, a real hard time uh, taking it seriously. Uh, and that's just because they did the exact same thing in Walk Hard, The Legend of the <laughs> <Cox>. <laughs> uh, and He loves Walk Hard. And, and so... All I could think about was that dumb movie. <laughs> <laughs> While this mom is sitting here and she's all like, it's your all brother's your gone, it's all your fault. And and I'm just all like, wrong kid died. The wrong kid died. <laughs> Why'd you let him cut himself in half by accident in a machete fight? <laughs> oh, wow. And so, like, the entire, like, I understood what they were trying to go for, but... It's not their fault I watched Walk Hard before I watched this movie, <laughs> show, okay? It's not, it's not the showrunner's fault. However, <laughs> all I had was Walk Hard in my head while this mo- show was going on for that whole time. I was like, oh, that's sad. Uh, and I understood that it was sad. And I understood, like, the grief aspect. I actually really liked their depiction of how... Uh, Mark developed Steven because of all of that. Yeah. Um, that I thought was very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. But the whole mom being sad and like, it's your fault your brother drowned. Um, I was just, I could not take it seriously. Um, and that's mainly because like, I, I have very little um, sympathy for parents that blame their kids for something and then just do not allow that kid um any respite from that blame Mm -hmm. um and so as far as that mom goes i'm glad she's dead but uh it was a good story i like the story (laughs) i um i personally think that we should get a spinoff show one day where they re-edit all these shows and you just have sam wilson uh sam wilson captain there's captain america counselor of grief grief counselor and sam wilson just shows up in all these different situations and helps people deal with their post-traumatic stress because you know sam wilson especially in uh, falcon winter soldier and then you know always had these things to be able to say to kind of deal. and of course he did that during the captain america movies you know he kind of was always dealing with grief and he was always kind of trying to help people deal with their grief and so it's just like sam wilson would be an awesome like you know, if he wasn't Captain America, I mean, he'd be an awesome, like, grief counselor to, like, you know, Wanda and Steven and all these different people that are just going through all this crazy emotional damage from all these different You things. heard it here, folks. You heard it here first, folks. Will wants 
Sam Wilson to stop being Captain America and be a grief counselor. You heard instead. it. You heard it. Here. You heard That's him what he say said. It. Those were the words you, he those used. Those are the exact words they said, and we'll <laughs> never go back. <laughs> <laughs> he already did the grief counseling before he became Captain America. I'm just saying. He's good at it. He's good at grief counseling. Yeah, he's good at it, but how will he be Captain America? I know. I know. That's why I said if he wasn't Captain America, he would be good at that. Helping people get You just said he, they need to reshoot everything so that he's not so that Captain he's America like maybe i don't know maybe captain america grief <laughs> counselor sam wilson grief counselor i don't know but you know yeah he, he, he just, stops he, fighting crime and he just uses his mantle of captain america to uh boost mental health awareness could you imagine a mentally stable wanda <laughs> for a minute i'm just saying i mean like, uh we got a little bit of that in flashbacks of before her house was bombed you know as a kid she was kind of mentally stable there. Yeah, yeah. Kid one was more <laughs> mentally stable than she has become since. But to be fair, she's gone through a, a lot. lot of mental stuff. Yeah, like her whole life. Maybe we so. just did an animated series called Captain America Grief Counselor, where in between his missions, he's like helping people deal with their grief from the Marvel stop movie. pushing that for SummerSlam. Will <laughs> it's never gonna get over. No, nope. it's never gonna get over. I can't push it for SummerSlam. Robert Reigns is gonna be the champion for forever of both belts. There's no more pushing anybody else for no, no, no. Uh, Sam Sam Wilson, Captain America is <laughs> he has the belt right now, and they're not gonna take it away to turn him into a grief counselor. Stop pushing it for SummerSlam. <laughs> uh, I just imagine uh, a cartoon, but it's animated like the uh, was that Marvel. Uh, superheroes, the really, really, like, really. Oh, the chibi one. one. Oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. The chibi one. The Marvel superhero show. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that. Yeah. And it's just, like, really cartoony. And it's so, like, hey, I hear that you uh, and uh, 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 Hank, I hear you and Janet are having struggles. Uh, let's talk about it. And but it, they get into like really deep issues, but it's still in this like absurdly cartoony style. And they get Anthony and Mackie to come he's back. He's dressed up. He's dressed up like Captain America, except he also has like a suit on over it. Ah, uh, or just a tie. <laughs> so he's got like the 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 head headpiece thing with the goggles. It's like perfect. That's crazy. Um, one thing I want to also mention too, just as a little trivia note. Um, Whenever Ethan Hawke and Isaac, uh, Oscar Isaac, were working together to conceive Haro, they're basically saying that they wanted him to be the opposite of Spectre in every way. They basically want him to prefer to perform opposite actions and be oppositely emotional to him. So, if, for example, of course, uh, Mark Spectre and Stephen were very aloof at times, then he, they always wanted him to play himself as very confident. And then they basically said that Haro was supposed to be like a mix between a doctor and a monk. And he was inspired by cult leader David Koresh, Cuban president Fidel Castro, the Dalai Lama, Pentecostal televangelist Jimmy Swaggart, writer Leo Tolstoy, uh, fictional character Nurse Ratchet, and the Nazi officer and doctor Yosef Maling, as well as Steve Jobs, the co-owner of Apple. So that was kind of his, um, and then for the psych, psych, uh, psychiatric doctor, uh, he based his portrayal on psychologist uh, Carl Jung. So, 
those were kind of Ethan Hawke's inspirations for the way they developed the character. Man, yeah, they had his work cut out for him. So, so overall, gentlemen, how do you feel about the Moon Knight series as a whole? Were there any really awesome moments that you really loved in the show as a whole that we haven't talked about yet? Hmm. I mean, of course, other than the end, but we're going to save that till the end. <laughs> I mean, the end, the end was fine, I suppose. I didn't, I didn't love it. I was like, oh, okay, they, they finally confirmed that, and so now people can shut up online because people were starting to get real upset uh, that they didn't see Jake Lockley like the whole time. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just so like, they have been teasing Jake the entire time. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, I want to see it. And like, I want to see them pull uh, the trigger and make it official that Jake Lockley is the third altar. <laughs> Even though they were telling us the whole time, that's exactly who was there. <laughs> yep. And I was just, I was hoping that we didn't get that because then uh, they could stay mad. Yeah. <laughs> Like, like you're just waiting on the moment where somebody probably was sitting there going like, ooh, ooh, he keeps looking in mirrors, and he keeps seeing things. Maybe we'll see Jake Lockley in the mirrors, or, you know, maybe we'll see, dum-dum-dum, Mephisto, finally. We'll be in one of the mirrors, and that's how we connect Mephisto to the whole thing. Right. You know, <laughs> Mephisto. You know, if we keep saying Mephisto, eventually we have to be right. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, Miss Mephisto probably, probably going to show up at Miss Marvel, right? Like, that's the next thing, you know. I mean. Oh, definitely. Everybody knows that Mephisto is very, very closely. Probably, yeah. Uh, has a lot to do with Miss Marvel. Yeah. Kamala Khan and Mephisto fight in the streets at the end of the series. I, I'm calling it now. <laughs> Perfect. We'll put down a, a million bison dollars on it. Uh, nope. <laughs> yeah. Overall, I really liked the show. Um, it was good. Um, I think as far as the Disney Plus shows go, uh, I think Loki's still my favorite one. Uh, and then probably after that, I would probably do Moon Knight and then WandaVision and then Falcon and Winter Soldier and Hawkeye. Yeah, Moon Knight's pretty high up there for me right now. I liked huh. it because it was different. They focused on different stuff and the stakes were smaller. Uh-huh. There wasn't like a galactic threat. It was just an Earth threat because Amit just wanted to eat all the souls. Mm-hmm. Um, and the characters are good. Um, I just I liked it. I I enjoyed the show uh, a lot, and I think I think that's pretty much all I have to say about that. I can't think of anything else right now. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> ah, definitely don't want to keep you away from uh, food if you're hungry. So I will, yeah, Smider, anything else you got? No, that was pretty much it. I agree a lot with that. I, I, I'm I really looking forward to more Moon Knight as they bring him along. Okay. Uh, I will wrap up with this as we talked about Jake Lockley, of course, being revealed at the end. Uh, one of the things that I, Oscar Isaac talked about was being able to speak, have him speak Spanish, which is not something that happens in the comics. Uh, but he appreciates the fact that he got to bring his Cuban ancestry into the character. And uh, he, he said basically that it was cool to be able to bring that element of his own life into the role instead of just trying to pay service to some idea that was in the comics. 
Uh, he also stated that Lockley has something ominous about him and more control than either Spectre or Grant do. So, it's going to be interesting to see. And by the way, don't you love kind of how Khonshu kind of was like, yeah, you two? Yeah, I told y'all I would let y'all go. <laughs> you know, y'all, you guys are off the hook. <laughs> and then, and then it's like, oh, poor Mark. He didn't even realize. He thought that I was wanting Layla. He didn't realize there's another persona in him and how broken he is that I could use to my own benefit. This is like, dude. This guy is brutal. Like, just the way he kind of... It's the idea that he knew there was another persona that he had access to. And so, it would be interesting to see how in the future, when they realize that Jake's a thing for real, for real. And how that will work. Because I know in the comics, eventually, they all three are just like, we don't need you anymore. And they kind of break away from Kanchu again. Because, of course, as uh, Haro told him, you don't have to do what he says. So, we'll see how that plays out. So, I thank you guys for being willing to rock with me on this episode where we talk about Moon Knight and all of the fun stuff. And we did not make a Sailor Sailor Moon joke during the whole entire episode. And I'm, I'm thankful that we did not do that at all. So, I mean, but anyway, we almost made it. Did we? Well, no. We just didn't make it. So, we're not making it now. Unless you want to make it. one. I mean, I'm just saying, I'm, I don't, I'm not choosing to make one. So yeah. moving right along. Yep. Anyway, guys, it's been a pleasure talking with you guys about Moon Knight. Fighting evil by Moon Knight. <laughs> <laughs> Fighting evil by daylight. Never running from a real fight. Just the one named Sailor Moon. Let's get out of here. Oh, yes. Of here. Uh, thank you guys for listening to this latest episode of Conversations about Dot Dot Dot. This is Will. These are the Rascal Bros. And I thank you for listening. And above all else, do me a favor. Be blessed. Be blessed to somebody, guys. Take care.